As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them, persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Amen. It's the, uh, it's the energy and the brain fog that have been the worst of <laughs> this whole thing. Um, it is so good to be back. And um, even if I'm not at 100% energy yet, I just, I, I so appreciate um, being back in, in worship with you. Just a couple of items to, uh, be, before we get going. Um, we're in a season of thinking about church membership. And I have two short booklets, um, uh, Robert Moore's Why It Matters and, uh, and Faith Unfolded. Um, by Jim Osterhaus, both um, people I've met and really appreciate, um, which would be great introductions. If you're thinking about membership, we'll, we're going to get this conversation going, but these would be two really good booklets to, to kind of begin with to, uh, to introduce you to um, the Christian Reformed Church and some of our, uh, our, uh, our distinctives. So, and we have, these will be available to anybody who'd like to, uh, like to look at them. And the second thing is, I, I, I didn't pop up when BJ was praying, but... Um, 
this has been a, uh, a week not just of um, kind of political craziness in our shared lives together, but a week in which the uh, southeast part of our country was hit by some pretty serious storms. Um, I think the, the, this morning's count was like 25 people had, had been killed. Um, and all this just keeps our attention away from a huge cyclone that hit Southeast Asia, a Cyclone Freddy. There's a little bit in your bulletin about that and, uh, and World Renew's response already with, uh, with feet on, uh, boots on the ground there. So I just, I encourage you to, let, we've got some huge shared life together, political things to keep in prayer, and some, uh, some of the um, people things that, uh, that have been kind of pushed off the front page, whether it's war in Central Europe or, uh, or a cyclone in Southeast Asia. There's some, there's some hurting going on in this world right now, and we'll just uh, keep those items in, uh, in, in prayer as well. Um, Jackie, do we have uh, the PowerPoint up? <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I appreciate BJ reading the text this morning. It keeps keep one less thing I have to, uh, I have to do. And uh, as, I, as I mentioned in my note this weekend, I, I, I love this story, this encounter be- with Jesus. And in Mark, it's just the, the, the man. In Matthew and Luke's gospel, we find out he's rich and a ruler, so that's why we call him the, the rich young ruler. But... Um, uh, this, uh, this wonderful encounter in, in, which, in which this center conversation is the moment Jesus looks at this man. So do we, do we have it, Jackie? We're not, I, don't, I don't see it up on my screen yet. You know what? Uh, you, ha- you have it on your screen? I don't... Uh, Oh, I think we lost we lost our back uh, our back TV. Oh no, it was go. Just went blank. Uh, you know what? <laughs> it was working so well this morning. Um, sorry, sorry about that, Jackie. We'll just we'll we'll punt on that PowerPoint. Um, sorry about that. It, we. Uh, got everything on my screen. Uh, so um, I, I think the the way our silly computers work is that if you don't fire up the computer, the TVs first, that everything goes crazy. So. Uh, I will, we'll just go on. Um, John, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll go on without the PowerPoint this morning. Uh, otherwise, I think you have to restart the whole computer. Um, so we, we are in that moment, um, in, this, in this incredible conversation with Jesus and, this, and this, um, this man in Mark's Gospel, young and ruler in Matthew and Luke's Gospels, in, in which his response is Jesus looks at him, and, and this is a text in which we're going to have to look at the little words. Jesus looks at him in love and says, one thing you lack. And this is where BJ's um, uh, introduction this morning was so wonderful. One thing you lack, go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. 
Then come and follow me. Mark 10, 21. The center of this conversation is Jesus' loving response to a young man who thinks he's good enough and then the disciples being just incredibly amazed at, um, oh, we've got it, thank you. And, and, the, and the disciples' incredible amazement at Jesus' response to this person who would make a really good disciple, right? Um, they're amazed. Uh, Jesus looked at him in love. This morning, what Jesus' kind of love uh, might look like. Father, thank you for, for the opportunity this morning to look into your word together um, for the privilege of, uh, of being in worship for me and uh, of, uh, of being once again challenged by the heart of our Messiah. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, the, uh, the geographic context is Jesus moving from Galilee now on his way to Jerusalem. And we are literally days at most weeks from Holy Week, which is appropriate because next week the cross will be here and we'll begin our Holy Week celebrations here. And as you can see, Jesus crosses over the, um, the Jordan River um, and makes the usual pilgrim journey down to Jerusalem for Passover. Um, he, next week, um, excuse me, on Wednesday night, we're going to be in Jericho with Jesus, and he'll be able to see the hills outside Jerusalem. Next Sunday morning, we cross the crest of that incredible hill, um, the Mount of Olives, and enter Jerusalem with Jesus. That's where we are geographically. But dramatically in Luke's gospel, we're still in the middle of Luke's three acts. Act 1, um, introducing Messiah. Act 2, who Messiah is, this wonderful story of Jesus on his way to Jerusalem, these two chapters in the middle of Mark in which Jesus shares the heart of Messiah with his disciples. And then next week, Act 3, Jesus in Jerusalem. Um, geographic context and dramatic uh, context for, uh, for this text. Okay, Mark 10. Um, I, I want to point out just a few really interesting items about this text. You've heard the, you've heard the story... But, but I want to point out just a few really interesting items. Number one, um, the, the young man asks, uh, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus' response tells me from the very beginning that Jesus doesn't really believe this young man knows what good means. Now, good in the Bible doesn't just mean um, better than somebody else. We're really talking about an Old Testament picture of righteousness. Goodness always reflects God's righteousness. That's why Jesus responds, Who are you calling good? Only God is good. Um, you know the commandments. So Jesus begins by just letting all of us know that this is going to be about goodness. And watch out because goodness might mean something different. And then Jesus goes into um, the, uh, his, uh, his really strange summary of the Ten Commandments. When B.J. read that, did it strike you that Jesus didn't get the Ten Commandments right? I mean, did anybody, just, did anybody else feel that? Um, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal. By the way, he leaves off the first four, right, which are, which are about us and God. Um, do not steal, do not give te false testimony, do not defraud. Where is that in the Ten Commandments? Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Why those commandments? And, and I think what's going on, and the, the disciples realize it, this is part of their amazement, 
is that in, in responding to the, uh, to the young man this way, Jesus is reflecting not just the Ten Commandments, but do not defraud, Jesus is saying, that's Mark's summary of Jesus saying, and make sure you give to the poor everything they deserve. We know this because in, in Matthew's um, uh, telling of the story, he includes Leviticus 19, love your neighbor as yourself, as part of Jesus' response. Mark summarizes here, do not defraud. But Jesus is making it clear. Um, and th this is, I, I, I have in my back of my mind that this really is Jesus pulling in the entire Sermon on the Mount. Right? Give all you have to the poor and for me. That's the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount begins with, unless your righteousness is greater than that of the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom. And the disciples realize what's going on. That's why they're so amazed here. And the young man realizes what's going on. Because his response, all these I've kept since I was a child, is not nearly good enough. That's when Jesus looks at the young man and in love, as PJ's already preached this morning, reveals to this young man what's really going on in his heart and says, I'm going to give you the diagnostic question. Sell all you have, give it to the poor, really keep Torah in the Old Testament, love your neighbor as yourself, and then come and follow me. Jesus' response is a response of love not to let the young man remain in his delusion that he's actually keeping the law, but revealing to him that there's no way he's going to be able to keep this law. And at that point, the young man turns, his face downcast. I mean, the face is central. The face just falls, and he goes away sad because he had great wealth. He knows what's going on. Jesus knows what's going on, and the disciples are beginning to catch what's going on. That Jesus is really um, uh, summarizing the Sermon on the Mount, summarizing the Torah's teaching on loving God, uh, on loving his neighbor, and if you're not loving your neighbor, then you are not loving God with your whole heart, mind, and strength. That's the heart of this conversation with Jesus. And the disciples are amazed at this point that no one's righteousness because your righteousness has got to be greater than that of the Pharisees if you're going to enter the kingdom. No one's righteousness is great enough to enter on your own. And Jesus makes this the main point of the text. Now, you can read a lot of commentary and a lot of sermons on this text. And, and, um, and you will read an uh, a, a application like this. I'm, I'm now kind of being I'm, I'm a little bit snarky here. Um, this is the Bible.org, which I generally like. Um, this is the Bible.org's uh, basic teaching on Mark 10. This is their application point in, um, in their main teaching. Application. When the love of money or the love of stuff grabs onto your heart, you find yourself walking away from Jesus. Um, that is the easy application of this text. Just like the young ruler, Jesus offers the opportunity to be freed from the slavery of money and, find, and things <clears throat> to find true freedom, peace, and joy in God. Those who have money or stuff are constantly worried they will lose it. We can never lose the love of Jesus. Now that is a okay summary. 
And it captures the heart, you know, of, of James, right? For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And it's very, very true. And it shocks the disciples. But Jesus' main point is, his goodness was never going to be able to get him into the kingdom of God. Something else is going on here. Um, and, uh, and Jesus is going to turn our attention from what man can accomplish to what only God can do in our lives in this text. Um, Mark chapter 10. Now, I, I want to spend just a few, a few short minutes on that amazement thing um, and, and how amazed everybody is about eternal life in this text. The text begins... Um, uh, Oh, there's my four points. Uh, the text begins with, um, with uh, the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the text ends with Jesus saying, and in the life and in the age to come, eternal life. It's bracketed by this thought about eternal life and how amazing this is. And, and I want to just say um, a, a couple quick things. One, um, it's, a, as we look at the... the, the Mark poster and the, the center act in which Jesus reveals the heart and mission of Messiah, um, it, it's, uh, it's, um, it, it's not just the Messiah's heart that gets revealed, it's disciples' hearts that get revealed in this point. And we begin to see more about what, what makes the disciples tick. And, um, and, I'm just, and, and I think what's going on here is twice they respond they're amazed. The first one when Jesus says how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, and the disciples are amazed. Why? I think, they haven't quite caught the whole point yet, I think they're thinking this guy would make a really good disciple. I mean, he's rich. He knows the scriptures. He claims to be a really good guy. I think this guy would make a really good disciple. And when he goes away sad, they are amazed that Jesus didn't just welcome this young man with open arms, right? Oh, man, you've got everything we need. You've got a little bit of money. You can really help us out. You're, uh, you've got some social status. You've got, you're, uh, you're a guy who can, um, can uh, make, uh, make some of our more shaky disciples look good. I mean, we've got zealots, and we've got tax collectors, and we've got fishermen, and now we've got the opportunity to have a ruler. I mean, just imagine what this could do to the status of Jesus and his disciples as they, as they get ready to enter Jerusalem and, and take on the Romans. I mean, this, and Jesus says, no. It's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, and the disciples are amazed. And then Jesus goes on and makes it even harder. Because Jesus goes on to say, not only you think you're amazed at that, but catch this. It's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Um, and, and, and now we're, 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 we're in hyperbola, right? There's all different ways people have tried to um, uh, uh, soften Jesus' language at this point. All kinds of ways. Um, from saying, well, maybe there was a gate in Jerusalem called the eye of a needle and camels had to unload their loads before they go in. Um, maybe Jesus is just speaking in hyperbola and he doesn't really mean it. I mean, this is just Jesus using language, to flowery language. No. Jesus means it, that it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle. And the disciples realize, the text says, they're, amazed, they're even more amazed now, and they whisper to each other. 
what is going on here? If it's really true that, uh, that we better have righteousness greater than the, than the Pharisees and that, and that riches can keep us out of the kingdom of heaven, then, then nobody's going to be saved. And at this point, Jesus hears this scuttlebutt in the background of, 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 this, uh, of, his, uh, of his conversation and responds with that incredible statement, you know, with man... It is impossible. There is no power that can make it happen. It's the dunatus word right there. Um, but with God, and only with God, um, is, is it possible. Um, and, and at this point, we, we realize just how amazing the offer of eternal life is to those of us who have no business getting through the eye of a needle. And that's the point Jesus is trying to make. Um, and eternal life and entering the kingdom are simply two different ways of talking about our experience of what God is doing in our lives. And Jesus is saying, it's not just rich people who need God's righteousness. No one is going to get in without righteousness. And, and just to make sure that, that the disciples understand what's going on, um, Jesus, at this moment, launches in to Pastor Lanting's sermon from three long weeks. Oh, man, that's been three long weeks in my life. I can't imagine. Three weeks ago, it seems like a year ago, when, when Frank was here and preached on this text. The first will be last and the last first, because Jesus tells that parable of the workers in the vineyard to make sure everybody knows that we're the ones that depend on on Jesus' generosity to enter the kingdom. There can be no question at when you finish that, um, that, uh, that parable about which ones we are. We're not the rich young ruler at the beginning who thinks we're in. We are those at the end who are absolutely dependent on God's generosity to, um, to have a chance into the kingdom. Now that's Matthew's gospel. Matthew goes right into that and it is a, it is a beautiful, beautiful picture and um, I, I'm trying hard to get Frank's sermon uploaded. I'm still working on that, but it, it's so good because, uh, because he just, man, we are those that depend on Jesus' generosity. Um, <coughs> but in Mark's gospel, Mark goes right from this text to the central text of Act 2 of Mark's gospel. Um, as the as soon as this story, as soon as this conversation is over, Jesus says for the third time, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. And then, he, and then the disciples begin arguing at that point, who's going to be the greatest? He's just given them a, a, a picture, uh, a story of the rich young ruler and says, give all you have to the poor and then follow me. And the very next thing the, the disciples are doing is arguing about who's going to be number one in the kingdom. Who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus turns and says, "Not you've heard it. See, you know that the Gentiles lorded over each other. And they have a really nice hi hierarchical list of who's in charge of whom and who's better than whom. Not so with you. Instead, whoever among you wants to be, this, wants to be great must become the servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave. And Jesus is using the literal servant word, diakonos, and then the literal slave word, doulos, at that point. You can't soften his language. 
For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And if we go back to our Bible Project um, poster, you see that in Acts 2, the central statement is this from Jesus. That the Son of Man didn't come to serve, but to... Didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the central statement of Act 2, and that's where we are in the Gospel. As Jesus begins to reveal more and more about the Messiah's heart. And as we said on Wednesday night when we tackled this text, um, there is something really significant about that word ransom. The ransom is that which is exchanged between the one who's in trouble and the one who needs to be redeemed and the one who can make redemption. The, the, and in the Old Testament, it is a picture of substitution as the, the, the lamb becomes the picture of that which is given to make atonement for me. And there's something true about every picture of that ransom, every picture of that atoning element in, in Scripture, whether it's Genesis 22 and God's provision of a ram, or, or, or Exodus 11 and the, the, the lamb whose blood is over the doorpost, or Leviticus 4 and 5 and 6 and the sacrificial system, or John introducing Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's something true of that ransom, of the thing that gets exchanged to, uh, to, to atone for, uh, for God's wrath against me in each one of those pictures. And the thing that's true in each one of those pictures is the thing that gets exchanged has to... has to... die! That's what next week is all about. That's why Holy Week is so important. Because next week we dramatize the entire scripture story about that ransom that comes and dies for us. Um, and uh, just to make sure the disciples understood what was happening, Jesus finishes this conversation with, um, you better watch me, because the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And at the very center of Act 2, where we are in Mark's Gospel, is this statement from Jesus. Um, just, uh, just three ideas, three thoughts as, uh, as we're following Jesus to, uh, to the cross. Three Messiah lessons. Number one, um, you think the disciples are amazed in Mark 10 about eternal life and entering the kingdom? You think seeing a rich man walk away and Jesus saying, um, with man it's impossible, but with God it is possible. With man it's impossible, with God it's possible. You think that's amazing? Just wait one week. The disciples are going to be even more amazed because the, the Messiah is going to ultimately reveal. Um, you think it's loving just to, 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 sh to help this young man come to grips with what is separating him from the kingdom. Um, God's love is going to be revealed in an in a order of magnitude greater way in just a few days. God demonstrates his love for us in this. Um, while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, and uh, if, if you want to get a great start to Holy Week devotions, um, go back and read the, this entire Romans text. It begins at Romans 4.13 with the Abraham story um, and what it means to be justified by faith that this righteousness from Jesus only comes um, by, by faith in him. Uh, it, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. So I uh, think you're amazed this week. Just, uh, just get ready to be amazed next week. Um,
Be, be ready. Secondly, um, <coughs> thank you, Anna. Uh, this is what you get when you have a vet in the family. You get, uh, you get hot water um, delivered. Jesus also shares something about Messiah followers here. Um, because the one who walked away, I still think he would have made a great disciple. I mean, that's on my human side, right? The one who walks away is sad. And the text, the scripture never tells us what happens at the end of the story. It never tells us what happens to the older brother, right? Um, and I think it's because we have to ask the question, um, have, I, have I walked away? I mean, there, there, that's going on. But Jesus, Jesus tells um, some really important things about the Messiah followers as well. Um, at the end, Peter says, we've left everything. And Jesus responds, yeah, I tell you the truth. No one who has left, and he mentions earthly things, home, family, fields, um, fishing boats, for me and the gospel, Remember, this is a text in which you look for those little words. For me and for the, the gospel of, a, of, of the kingdom, the gospel of grace, will fail to, will fail to receive a hundred times as much. And he, he mentions those same things. Home, family, fields. A different order of home and family and fields. And adds that little phrase that everybody wants to skip over. And with them persecution, and in the age to come, eternal life, and the first will be last, and the last first, as Jesus closes out his, what it means to be a follower, um, teaching in Mark's gospel. Um, we learn some interesting things about Messiah followers. One, that there really are going to be blessings for those who have wrapped themselves in Jesus' righteousness and not their own. But those blessings are always going to come on this side of glory with persecutions and on the other side of glory with eternal life. Um, some really interesting um, lessons for us uh, Messiah followers. And, and, and I think third, um, what, what, what Jesus begins to do here is fleshed out in the rest of the New Testament as, as, um, as this love of Jesus, which helps us discern rubbish. And BJ, again, thank you for your, for your introduction. Um, as the love of Jesus, which revealed to that young man what kept him from God, that revealed to the disciples how important Jesus' goodness is, and reveals to us his, his love on the cross. As, as this love of Jesus begins to reveal now to us what is rubbish. Philippians chapter 3, which begins with Paul saying, I was Pharisee of Pharisees and Jew of Jews. He kind of would have made a really great rich young ruler, right? And then he says this, but, what was, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And goes through that litany. I consider them rubbish, which is um, a euphemism in the text. Uh, um, this is um, compost spreading season in my family. Um, this week, my wife's energy has returned, and a full load of compost was spread in the backyard, and I didn't open my window for two days. Um, <clears throat> it was that bad. Yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was potent. I consider them compost, uh, 
that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. And as BJ has already said, um, what a gift that kind of discernment is. Father, thank you this morning for um, allowing us to, uh, to meet Jesus again and to be amazed at, uh, at Messiah's mission and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Gay, I forgot what we're going to close with. Come thou found. Oh, come thou found. Um, I think it's 314 in the hymnal. Um, would you stand with me? Um, come thou found. It will. Uh... Um, John, can you open close? Just close that up over window. The, the underneath should be okay. You just have to close that up, up outside window. It is 314 in the Psalter. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, all for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious song, sung by Do you have the, uh, the, the, uh, the hymn number for uh, Filled Out My Life? You don't know it? Would, would somebody check in the uh, Filled Out My Life in the index, and we'll, so we'll have the, the words in the Psalter um, while, I do the, while I check here. Um, 449? Okay. Um, thank you. 449. Um, Psalm 1 and 43, uh, Luke opened our worship with, a, with an invitation from God to see his love in the morning. Show me the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God, and your good spirit leads me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, you preserve my life, and in your righteousness you silence my troubles. Psalm 143. Um, let's close with, fill thou my life. 
449. Fill. 